guys, it's me, Emma's Thing, and this is my podcast, That's What He Said. With over 12 years of blogging, writing, posting, and sharing under my belt, I've somehow grown a small audience who, for whatever reason, seem to really like me. This podcast is just another extension of my blog and will offer unimportant life updates, reviews on movies, books, shows, daily musings about life, in-passing commentary on current events, and of course, a lot of stories of my past, present, and future. Just try it out and see how you like it. That's what he said. Guys, hi you guys. We are back in the closet for another episode of That's What He Said with me, Emma's Thing. So as I'm sitting here in the closet, I literally just shared on social media that this iteration of the podcast has officially surpassed 20,000 listens. That's 20,000 listens. I am in just as much shock as you probably are, um, especially because uh, like with podcasting, it feels very much like you're screaming into an empty void and you have no fucking idea how it's being perceived or how it's being well, I guess perceived and received. Um, I mean, obviously, yes, I can see how many listens. But other than that, there isn't a lot of chatter and feedback. So um, seeing that it has surpassed that number for me is a milestone, especially because this is just a nothing podcast, a very self-indulgent podcast. And it's all about me. And so the fact that you listen and you obviously are entertained and you take joy in listening makes me so happy and gives me the courage to carry on. So today's episode, I I may be wrong, but I have a feeling it's going to be pretty short, uh, quick and dirty. Um, I am leaving at the butt crack of dawn tomorrow morning on Thursday for New York and um, I haven't packed and I still have a little bit of work to finish up and I have I'm gonna have to edit this when I'm done talking. So there's a lot to be done and it's already pretty late in the afternoon. So I am going to keep this pretty short and sweet. I am not focusing on a topic this week. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, whether you follow my That's What E Said podcast Instagram or my Emma's Thing Instagram, I created a form with Google Forms the other week to give you guys the opportunity to sound off about what topics you would be interested in me covering on the podcast. And it's just, this is just an aside, but it's Social media just baffles me. It's very, very interesting because you really like even when you think that you're making something super easy and accessible for your audience, you could be wrong. So I created this form, which is just like a simple, you know, tap on the link in a story and go. And it's not a long form. It's literally just typing in like one sentence. So it's really no different than when I put a questions box on my Instagram story. Um, But regardless, it's like I've gotten 12 responses on this Google form. And I just know that if I asked the same question on Instagram with a questions box, I would get at least double that. So I don't really know what the hang up is there. I'm, you know, like it's hard because Instagram is where I'm the most active. It's where you guys are the most active and It's like my main tool outside of my blog, but it's very, very hard to keep track of all of the Instagram engagement. Like I get pretty easily overwhelmed when there's a shitload of DMs and I get I still also get really overwhelmed when I do the questions box because I'll get like 50 entries on a questions box and it's a lot to go through and it's a lot to keep track of. And so, um, you know, that it's kind of why I like I haven't asked for like legitimate suggestions about anything in a long time because it's just so overwhelming. And I know that if I ask you guys to email me, then people don't want to do that. So I don't know. I'm just I'm just venting, I guess, to you guys now. So anyway, um, I'm going to link the Google form again 
in the show notes for this episode. So if you are hearing this and you have a topic that you would love for me to cover, um, take a second to click on that Google form and literally just drop whatever topic it is into the little uh, answer box and uh, it will be accounted for. Also, last week, or maybe was it this week? Or maybe over the weekend? I really can't remember. My my brain is everywhere. I put out a feeler asking if you guys would want there to be an advice segment within my podcast episodes. Um, and uh, the majority of people who answered, like not a shit ton of people answered, but the majority said yes, they would like that. And then I followed it up and asked um, if you are the person who's like wanting the advice, are you going to be more apt to email your question, call a special hotline with your question, or either? And it was overwhelmingly that people wanted to email. And, you know, like at least like 160 something people said that. So I created a separate that's what he said podcast at gmail.com account. So once again, like I can c- try and keep a handle on my content and keep it organized and just, you know, in a way where it doesn't overwhelm me. Um, and I have gotten exactly one email with an advice question. And w- once again, I am baffled. Um, I thought that you guys wanted to do this. I don't know. Maybe maybe you were reading it as like, oh, yeah, like I'd be interested to hear an advice segment, but I don't have an advice question. Um, And if you don't and like people don't want advice from me, I completely understand that. I'm insanely underqualified. I'm not a professional in anything in my life. It's literally just me being opinionated and giving you an answer like I would a best friend. Um, Then, you know, I definitely don't It's not something that I need to explore, Um, but I am going to answer the one question that I got (laughs) um, at the end of this episode. So this is me plugging the fact that I am trying to work in a very quick and dirty advice segment into the podcast. So if you have a question, a burning question that you want answered from a totally unbiased source, please email me at podcast at gmail.com. And obviously TWES is an acronym for that's what he said. It's pretty easy to remember podcast at gmail.com. All right. So with all that housekeeping out of the way, let's get into this week's episode and talk about what have you even been doing? All right. So I'm going to start off with last Friday. So Friday was a very special day. Um, I met up with my sister and my mom at the bridal shop where I got my wedding dress from called A and Bay Bridal Shop. It's in the design district off of Glass Street. We met up there to pick up my dress, and if you listened a few episodes ago, you know that there was a lot of anxiety whether I was even going to have my dress for my wedding. And by some miracle, it not only got in, but it got in two months earlier than it was ever slated to. I don't know how that happened. I think that it can only mean really wonderful things for the Alina Lena Bridal Factory that is in Ukraine and that it's up and running and the workers are there and they're safe and they have work. And I don't know how any of that worked out. I'm just very thankful. So we went to pick it up on Friday and I brought my wedding shoes, which are a, um, I don't know how to say this, but Loeffler, Loeffler, Loeffler Randall knockoff. If you are familiar with the brand, you might recognize this shoe. It's called the Camellia Heel, and it's so beautiful. Uh, They're just like the most gorgeous block heels with an ankle strap and a really pretty bow detail. And, uh, you know, I'm not like super big into shoes. I never have been. It's just not like something I'm obsessed with or really drawn toward. But these are like they're just such a bridal shoe. And I saw them for the first time when I even started looking at dresses because Beholden carries them on their website. And then I just started seeing them everywhere. And I was like, shit, these are really amazing. And then I saw that they come in a like really beautiful pale blue. 
And I had the thought like, I think it would be so cool if that if I got them and that was my something blue to play into that wedding tradition a little bit. Um, But the price tag on them is $400. And like I just said, I'm not super into shoes. Like I would spend that on a handbag. I would spend that on um, an experience. um, And I would spend that on like a fucking crazy ass Target haul, but not on a singular pair of heels. Lo and behold, my amazing mom, Ellen, she found the most amazing dupe on Amazon, and I cannot believe how fucking close they are to the real thing. It's pretty insane. I, I'm kind of surprised that this company and many others like it, I'm sure, haven't gotten, you know, reprimanded or uh, called out or sued or whatever for basically creating the exact same product. But you know what? That's no, never mind. I'm not going to think about that. I'm just really excited that my mom found that a dupe for $55, which is a fraction of the cost of the real ones. And these are shoes like they will be my wedding shoes. And you know what? I may never wear them again. Maybe I will. Um, but that cost makes a lot more sense to me. And what's so cool about them. So I actually wrote a blog post about them because I just knew I was going to get a lot of questions and I wanted to give my reading audience a place to go where like if they're thinking about, oh, yeah, what were those dupe heels that Emma was talking about weeks or months ago? they can go to my blog and find them really quickly. So they're under the wedding category of my blog. Um, and what's so cool about the heel is that this company that ripped them off offers them in the normal, almost like three to four inch heel height, and then a two inch heel height, and then also as like a flatter slide. And so I got the two inch heel height because like I'm saying now for the third time, I'm just not a heels girl, so I needed them always to be a little lower and just very manageable. So the great news is that not only are they just as beautiful as the real thing, they are so insanely comfortable. I don't, my mind like can't compute it. I don't understand how they can be so comfortable, but like I'm not going to have to change out of them. I'm not going to you know, my feet aren't going to be dying at the end of the night. And that's really important to me because I just want to dance so hard at my wedding. Anywho, huge digression there. So we, um, I brought my shoes and my mom brought like some jewelry to play with. And um, I, you know, I did my makeup like really meticulously and really tried. And there's no way that I could recreate the wedding hair that I'm going to have the day of because my hairstylist is just so amazing. And that's why I'm paying her money to do it for my wedding day. But I did what I could. And we went and it was just so magical. It was a magical moment. I'm so thankful that my sister was in town. It's just like amazing that it worked out like that. And um, my mom saw me and just like started crying um, really hard. And she hadn't, she cried a little bit when I first found this dress and showed her in person. But like she, it was like her she was seeing me on my wedding day and it was so amazing. And all the shop girls at A&B are amazing as well. And just like really lift you up. And they were just going on and freaking out and everything just felt perfect and good. And um, also this is like, just like a little shout out for me. But when I went and found this dress in December, I had like just started getting back into personal training with um, Megmo, my virtual trainer. And when I went to order the dress to be sent to me, I was between two sizes. And they suggested to go for the larger size because obviously it's way easier to take things in than it is to let things out. But I was like, no, I I want to get the smaller size because I know that I'm going to be in much better shape by the time this dress gets here and it's like kind of like a mini challenge to myself. Now, I'm going to cut myself off and say, did I just write a blog post about why size doesn't matter? Yeah, I did. And I meant every fucking word of that blog post and I implore you to go read it because it really dives into how fucked up the women's fashion industry's idea of sizing is. But 
in this situation, it was just like, no, like I know that I'm going to be the smaller size and that's just something for me to work toward and I'm not going to have as much to deal with with alterations and it's going to be much less of a stress on me. So it was just a really lovely moment of like validation and just like pride when I put that dress on on Friday and it zipped perfectly. Like it fits like a freaking glove. The only thing that needs to be altered about it, obviously it needs to be hemmed because it's a lot of dress and um, I'm shorter and the um, straps need to be like pulled up to like really just like fit fit the girls in there nice and securely. But other than that, it just it fits amazingly. And I'm just really proud of that and really proud of all of the work that I've put in for the past however many months with Meg. And it's been very up and down. And I've had a lot of bad weeks because that's life. But at the end of the day, it's just nice to see that I have progressed and it's all about that progression, not perfection. So that was a really exciting little moment for me on Friday. So after we, you know, finished out the sale and left with the dress and everything, uh, we got a quick drink around the corner in the design district at Rodeo Goat, which I talked about last week on the podcast. Um, and then my sister and my mom needed to head head back up north and so I met up with Whitney at Libertine for that other drink that I mentioned last week on the podcast, um, the watermelon ranch water. And we caught up and it was really nice. I mean, it was just like so it was like happy hour on the dot. And so that's why I was like, well, I kind of would like to get like one more celebratory little something and like see a friend before I head home. Um, and then Friday night, so Whitney and her husband are, I've mentioned this many episodes ago, but they're just total foodies and they always know like the hottest, newest, best, most authentic, unique stuff to try in Dallas. And um, Zach and I had been talking to her about like what what they think the best Japanese or like sushi is in the Dallas area. And she told us about this place called Sushi Rock. And Sushi Rock is in far north Dallas. It's off of Campbell Road, like, you know, kind of between, kind of between, um, I guess, like, Plano and Richardson, um, which is like a really big gap of space, I'm aware. But it's, it's, that area is where I not grew up, but just was so familiar with it because there are so many things around there. And my mom was always taking us on errands in those shopping centers. And so it it was just like very familiar to me. And um, it's kind of a trek from where Zach and I live. But Whitney was like, no, you have to go and ask for Mark, the he's the owner and like the head chef and get the omakase, which omakase is a Japanese phrase and it literally translates to I leave it up to you. So not, you know, not every Japanese or sushi restaurant offers it, but when they do, it's that chef's specialty. Like they just like take over your night and, you know, you obviously tell them if you really hate something or really love something or have an allergy, but they just like go off of that and they just serve you plate after plate and usually there's like a flat rate that you pay that they'll tell you up front and alcohol is not included and you kind of just hand over the reins and let them do their thing so that is what zach and i did and what's so interesting is that this sushi rock place it's so unassuming like literally we got there and honestly my first thought was like is whitney pulling a prank on us like you would just never there's no way you would ever drive by or walk by that place and be like, oh, man, I bet that place has the most amazing sushi in the Metroplex area. But you just got to know the right people. So we met Mark. He could not be lovelier. And we got the omakase and it was absolutely incredible. Like, 
I think it was, I want to say it was like either 100 or 150 a person. So it's definitely like, you know, I mean, it was not a special occasion for us. We just were ready to drop money on incredible incredible Japanese food. I mean, it's Zach's absolute favorite cuisine. So he was ready to go and I was ready to go. Um, but it's, it's you know, it's definitely more like special occasion, like know what you're kind of getting yourself into. But the restaurant itself was dead that night because the Mavs were playing in Dallas. And so we kind of like almost had it all to ourselves and we got to know Mark and every single bite of food that we had was more incredible than the last. It's like the freshest. It was just the freshest fish and the freshest ingredients. And some of them like were a little more straightforward, but a lot of it was, you know, Mark's special twist on things and take on things. And I can't even pick a favorite dish. I mean, I will say that we had smoked salmon, but it was his smoked salmon that he legitimately smokes at home. And it's nothing like you would ever get from a grocery store. It's not like your typical locks that you put on a bagel or anything like that. Like uh, it was just, oh my God, like there was already an herb rubbed on it and he served it like in this glass um, structure. And there was like smoke coming out when you opened it. Like it was it was just amazing. It was worth every penny. And we will definitely be going back for a special occasion. So probably not for many months, but can't recommend it enough. That is Sushi Rock in the Richardson, far north Dallas area. On Saturday morning, we woke up and um, instead of taking the dogs on our typical Saturday morning walk, we made our way down to Knox Street, which is like the sister street to where we live. And we were going down that way because I think that we were like, oh, let's just get like a Starbucks coffee and maybe go to, you know, Village Banking Company and get like a pastry. And that was our plan. But as we approached, we saw that there was this cute little area set up next to Village Baking Company with um, like a smoothie bowl food truck and then a donut food truck. And it was just so adorable. And I was like, oh, my God, I love a smoothie bowl. Like, I love a smoothie bowl so, so much. And it was this really, really cute food company called Bondi Bowls. Um, and I think the Aussie, sorry, it was like, you know, I got a bowl with like kiwi and um, granola. And it was so good. It was so good. But for real, it was so fucking good. And um, the salty donut was the the donut truck. We didn't get anything from them. Zach was like very, very set on actually sticking to the plan and getting um, a pastry from Village Baking Company. So he did that. And it was it was just lovely. We sat outside and ate our breakfast. And then, you know, it was already getting really hot because, oh my God, y'all, I just, this summer, this summer in Dallas is going to be brutal. Like, I think it's going to be one of our worst ones in a few years. And like, that's saying something because like every summer in Texas is brutal, but it's just been such a rainy season and so humid that I think it's going to be like a really hot, wet, summer and not in any sort of sexual way. So for the rest of Saturday, I went to the gym. Zach was out in the backyard, in the front yard, as he always is nowadays on the weekends because he's trying to get like a lot of things built and going. And, you know, we had our family coming over on Sunday. So he did that. I worked out and then I came home and I made a double batch of the homemade pizza dough that my sister passed down to me. She passed the recipe down to me. Um, it is th literally the best homemade pizza. And I found the sauce for it that I actually, she had a sauce, but I converted her to this sauce. And both of those recipes are on my blog on msthing.com. If you just go to the cooking section, it's under mains and you can get the full dough and sauce recipe and go to town. Like it's, I'm just warning you, once you... Once you have 
a very incredible homemade pizza that you made with your own hands, it's very hard to go back to takeout because you know you can create something amazing. And because because you made it, it tastes 20 times better. So I made the dough that afternoon and, you know, just kind of got the house ready and everything. And then when Zach was in, you know, a good spot with the yard, we decided to meet up on our front patio and have have a drink. And I was so excited because I was such a sucker for the Kettle One Botanical Vodka commercials. You know, the ones that they're, they were so simple. And the song was like, boom, 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 something like that. I, I don't know what the fuck we were watching, but that commercial was like every other commercial. And it, it got me. I was like that the grapefruit and rose flavored kettle one vodka looks so good. Like I have to try it. I have to try it. And this has been on my mind for at least a month. We just haven't had an opportunity or like, yeah, I guess we just haven't had an opportunity to go to the store and get this specific liquor because like I never do that, you know, like commercials don't work on me like that. And if I'm going to the liquor store, I already know what I'm getting. And it's like very basic standard stuff. But I don't know, man, like it was advertising at its finest because I had to try this fucking botanical vodka. And I am so happy to say that it literally tasted exactly like I knew it would and how I wanted it to. It is so refreshing. I literally just paired it. um, I put it over ice with some mineral water and it was fantastic. Like, I mean, it's really that simple. So if you are into a grapefruit rose flavor profile uh, and you like vodka, I really can't recommend this enough. I'm sure that it would be so amazing and a number of mixed drinks serving as like the base, but it's also pretty incredible on its own with like some Topo Chico and maybe if you're feeling fancy, like a slice of actual grapefruit. And then Saturday night, really proud of us. We uh, stayed in and we ate in. I mean, I would hope so because we freaking blew our wad on Friday night with the omakase. I keep saying that different every single time. Um, And just made a really yummy like meat and potatoes kind of dinner and went to bed. So Sunday was Mother's Day and we had my sister and her wife and the babies and my mom and dad over to celebrate and made like four, yeah, four homemade pizzas. Each was better than the last and just were all together. But it started with me having my second makeup trial with a completely different makeup company. So obviously, like right off the bat, the biggest difference is that they were willing and wanted to come to me like they do house calls for trials. So that kind of set the tone and set the tone in a really positive, awesome way. And this girl showed up so cute, so nice. And I'm just immediately like trying to become best friends with her because I don't know, like probably like overcompensation for my first trial that just went so horribly. Uh, Call it what you want. I have no idea. So when my family got here, my mom and my sister joined me and my makeup artist in my bathroom. And obviously, like we we told her all about the first makeup trial. We showed her pictures and she was so gracious. Like her eyes and face said everything. And she was like, well, I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to be mean. Clearly, like she didn't know who she was in front of or dealing with. I respect that. I don't understand it because like, as we all know, I can't really control most of what comes out of my mouth and like it gets me in trouble a lot of the time. But I respect that she is a better, nicer person than I am. But she basically was like, yeah, no no just no and I also showed her pictures I showed her the same pictures that I'd showed the first makeup artist about kind of what I was going for the look that I was going for and she seemed to completely get it right away and I mean as soon as she started like everything about her technique and what she was applying and how and all of it was so different than my first experience and it turned out amazing just like 
so amazing. I felt beautiful and it was so special to have my family here. And Zach, Zach wanted to see, and I'm like, you know what? That's fine. Like you can totally see my wedding day makeup because you don't know what my dress looks like. You don't know what my hair is going to look like you. This is not the full effect. And he loved it and was like, you just look so beautiful. Like your eyes look insane and like the best way. And it was just such an incredible experience, like literally a night and day experience. So fucking relieved. And I know that everyone else is too. And I want to share who who I hired as my makeup artist. So this woman came so highly recommended. Like I think at least 10 different people threw her name out to me when I first started looking. But as I've come to understand, she isn't like the quickest communicator. So that's why I even went with this other makeup artist at first because I wasn't hearing back from the one that I really wanted. Um, But it all worked out and that's all that matters. So her name looks like Maddie Miles, but you pronounce her first name Mighty So it's spelled M-A-I-T-E-E, Mighty Miles. And she herself, she's the owner, but she has a team of like 20 makeup artists. And so I feel like if you ever actually get your makeup done by Mighty, it's a really big deal. Um, So she, you know, assigned a makeup artist for me and my wedding and it's this amazingly lovely girl who did such an incredible job and I love her and I I'm just I'm very relieved. I'm very relieved and I think everyone is going to be extremely happy with their makeup on my wedding weekend. So, yay and thank God and also thank God for second trials and second opinions. And that was the weekend. So, it was a very full weekend. It was a very joyous weekend. And Monday came around. And I mentioned this in the newsletter this week. But so I am like now fully a weekly listener of the Bad on Paper podcast. And admittedly, I wasn't before. Um, It just didn't grab me. And I love Becca so much. I just have never really connected with Grace. And Um, so I, it just like, wasn't a podcast that I listened to religiously, but now with Olivia mentor replacing grace as the co-host, I mean, I have followed Olivia. I don't even know for how long you guys like well over five years. I mean, probably at this point, it's been like seven or eight years. She blew up in my world when she wrote a piece about, I can't, I might've been for bustle, but she wrote a piece about what's like really going on behind the Instagram pictures that she posts. And this piece went viral and that's how I found her. So I've been a fan of Olivia's forever. And um, just hearing the combination of the two of them talking, God, I just realized that this should have been in part two of my personal podcast, but whatever, I'm just going to keep going. So hearing them talk and play off each other and their energy and the vibes, it's just to me like very different than what Bad on Paper was. And I'm very into it. And I was listening earlier this week to their episode about their morning routines, which it like makes me laugh sometimes when I, when I kind of like take a step out of my body and I'm like looking in on my life and my interests and just knowing that how like how much I enjoyed an episode of a podcast where two women that I kind of know personally in real life but like not at all are talking about their morning routines was so intriguing to me like I loved it so much and it was so motivating like in the sense that I've always struggled with being a morning person. I'm just not like period. I'm just not a morning person. Like I can stay up until 2 a.m., which I literally haven't done in years and years, but I've always been more of a night owl and mornings are a struggle for me. They just are. And but it's 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 a struggle that I have beat myself up over and I hold a lot of guilt over. And I think especially 
the older that I've become, it's it's become very, very apparent to me just how sacred morning hours really are. And I think that's true whether you are working for yourself out of your own house or whether you are going into an office every day to work. It's like you only get such a small window of concentrated you time every day. And for most people, that time is either in the early morning or never. So like I said, I've, I've held a lot of guilt about not making the most of my mornings and sleeping in a, a little bit later than I should, which is silly. I know it's not something that I should guilt trip myself over. It's just like my lifestyle. But I want to better that. I want to change that. I want to take more advantage of that precious time. And so listening to that morning routines episode of the Bat on Paper podcast really struck a chord with me and put this fire in me to figure out my morning routine because I don't have one. Like my morning routine right now is like I wake up really slowly and eventually make my way out of bed. And sometimes I make a coffee And sometimes I get my car and go get coffee and, you know, I'll sit down on my computer and do one email and then I'll be up doing something else. And it's just it's very all over the place. And I don't think that it's doing me any favors because I am someone who thrives with routine and I like routine, even though I might seem all over the place. So long story short, I was like, okay, I want to make it a thing where I walk the dogs every morning because Zach doesn't have that time, but I do. And that is something that I'm doing both for myself and for my fur children that especially with summer on the horizon and how fucking hot it's getting, it's really the only time of day that I can walk these babies without killing them or killing myself Unless I want to wait until the sun goes down at night. But like, I know that's not that's not me. Like, I I don't want to do a nighttime walk. I don't want to get in the habit of that. So I'd rather be first thing in the morning. I said, okay, I'm going to get up earlier on Monday morning. And the first thing I'm going to do before I do anything else is walk the dogs. And I did it. That's exactly what I did. And it was lovely. And an- another thing that I'm doing with these walks is I'm not wearing my AirPods. I'm not going with any music, no podcasts. A, so it makes me much more aware of my surroundings, which I just feel like you can never be too safe with that when you're out in the world on your own as a female. But also because it's just distracting and I don't need the distraction. It's early morning. The streets are relatively quiet. And it's it's kind of a meditation in a way to just walk the dogs and listen to their pitter-patter, listen to the sounds of the neighborhood, of nature. So I did that Monday morning and I did it again Tuesday morning and it was just magical. It really, really was. Now, I didn't do it this morning on Wednesday because I had so much shit to get done for this New York trip for the weekend. Um, But I'm fully going to reinstate the BFMWs is what I'm calling them, the but first morning walks. I'm going to reinstate them next week and start making that a thing because I can afford it time wise. And it only it only is benefiting everyone involved in the situation. Anyhow, so that's how my Monday started. And then um, Monday was actually my sister's and her wife's last day in Dallas with their two and a half week almost extended stay here. Um, But my dad, my dad was really sick. Like I think he had what I had the other week, just like a really bad cold. And they needed my assistance on Monday. So um, after I got done with the walk, I basically drove straight up to Plano and spent the afternoon there working and helping with the babies and then helping them get packed up. And then I drove them to the airport on Monday night and dropped them off and came home and Zach and I had dinner. And, and now here we are, guys. Here we are. So let's go into part two of the podcast where I talk about what I've been reading, watching, and listening to lately. Now, I should have 
saved everything I said about Bad on Paper for this part of the podcast because it is what I've been listening to lately. And you guys already know my thoughts on that. So let's let's talk about other things that I've been listening to. I don't know if I've ever gone into detail about like my weekly slash daily podcasts on my podcast, but I feel like this is a really good time for that. So here are the list of podcasts that I listen to every single week. I listen to Honestly with Barry Weiss. I listen to Everything is the Best with Pia Barncini. I This is a new one, but I listen to Dana Carvey and David Spade's comedy podcast called Fly on the Wall, and that's a really good one. That is like basically every single episode is like a mini SNL reunion and they're best friends with like all of the top comedians. So it's just so interesting to hear the comedians come on and listen to all of their behind the scenes stories and just sort of how the industry works. Obviously, Bad on Paper. Um, Office Ladies, I listen to that every single week. And to be honest, sometimes they're a little much. They're a little too happy and goofy but at the end of the day it's an office podcast so like of course I'm gonna listen to it and they also won like number one podcast of the year last year obviously I listen to Merit's podcast Beck and Call every Tuesday I listen to Gee Thanks Just Bought It which is a podcast by Caroline Moss who used to work at BuzzFeed for years and years and hasn't for a while and she is like the end-all be-all with it's like I don't follow a lot of influencers but with Caroline, it's like, it makes me understand how some of you guys feel about me where I'm like, you are literally bleeding my wallet out. Like, can you please stop finding useful, cute things? Because every time you post, I feel like I need it. And it's honestly getting annoying, but not really ever. She's amazing. And every Friday, I listen to a comedy podcast called Keeping Records with Kayla Piron and Shelby Wolstein. And it is absurdist comedy. It is so fucking ridiculous. And it's so much improv. And they typically have a guest on. And the whole premise is that in 1976, NASA sent some golden records into space for aliens to maybe find one day. And if they ever wondered about life on Earth... NASA felt like what they included on these golden records would be very helpful in explaining like the human experience. So the whole premise of their podcast is they bring a guest on every week and basically ask them what they would put on a record to send into space. And most of the answers are really fucking funny. They're so specific. Um, and very, I mean, some of them are super interesting and make you think, but all in all, it is a completely random podcast. It's totally all over the place. But if that's your kind of humor like me, then I think you would love it. And another one that I'm newly listening to is one of my, a fellow colleague of mine who I literally met via Instagram. Um, her name is Susie Hutchinson and her and her friend Audrey started a podcast called Everything is Copy. And it's a podcast where, yeah, like they're best friends talking about their lives, but it's interesting to me because it's so niche and it's specifically about copywriting, which obviously as a copywriter, I find very intriguing and I can relate to. So that might be like a little bit of a harder one to relate to, but I think it's very interesting and I'm excited to see what they do with it and where it goes. I also will listen to the NPR podcast up first every morning and I don't listen to the daily every single day. Sometimes like I save them up to listen to in a row, um, but that that one is that one is always updating no matter what. So as for what I have been reading, obviously I'm still reading a quart of Mist and Fury, but I am loving it, you guys. Like, I'm probably, like, 40% through at this point, and it's really starting to pick up, and, like, I think something's going to happen that you would have never guessed would happen with reading book one, and if it does, I'm just like, holy scandal. Oh, my God. Um, but the, the plot line and everything that's going on, it, it's very fucking intriguing, and um, I was reading it like a little more slowly, but I've hit a certain point where I feel like 
I could very easily like blaze through the rest of it. I'm really enjoying it. And then as for what we've been watching, I have a question for you guys. How many episodes does it take to get into Severance? Because we are struggling. I was really excited to watch it because all of my best friends have and have said how fucking great it is. And so I there was a lot of anticipation and a lot of expectations. And Zach and I are just like not hooked. We are exactly three episodes in and... Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's just like not our kind of show, if it's too out there for us, it's too weird for us. I mean, I'm not super into a lot of mystery and like suspense. Um, I'm more like I like thriller and action and I just there are just so many questions, so many unanswered questions and Actually, Whitney was over last night and I was talking to her about it and I was like, because she loved it. She loves Severance. And I was like, do you find out X, Y, Z? And she's like, no. And I'm like, okay, do you find out this? And she's like, no. And I'm like, what the fuck do you find out then? Like, I don't understand like why you love it so much. She was like, I just do. Like, it's just so amazing. It's so different. I'm obsessed with it. I'm like, okay, so Zach is way more ready to move on than I am. But now I kind of feel this, this stubbornness to see it through and see what the fuck happens. I'm just like, I, I don't know. Like, I know that an element of TV is not knowing what's going on or what's going to happen. But there's too much of that in Severance for me where it's like I'm not enjoying it because we're not finding anything out as the episodes go along but like maybe after episode three there's a turning point i don't know oh my god if you guys just heard that that was cc moaning she's literally in the closet with me hiding under all of my jeans and clearly she's perturbed anyway i will keep you guys posted on whether or not we finish it which i think that we will but i just feel like it's going to be a slow crawl to get there Okay, so for today's part three of the episode, I'm going to read the exactly one advice email I have received thus far to you guys, and we're going to answer it together. So the email says, hi, Emma, my fiance and I are doing a very small, less than 20 person wedding and trying to figure out what's the official explanation we're giving to people who didn't make the cut, which is a lot of people. Specifically, we're including two close friends, but not a third in a small friend group. How do you break the news? Absolutely am dreading it, but truly don't want her at the wedding. And then she finishes with a really sweet note that says, Cheers to you, ma'am. Congrats on your engagement and wedding. My fiance and I, another pandemic bumble love story, met around the same time you met Z, so I feel especially invested. Couldn't be happier for you. Well, thank you so much. You're so sweet. So, you know me and you know that I'm pretty no bullshit but I also understand that when it comes to weddings and invitations and invitees and all of that it can be really stressful and really anxiety inducing and so I completely feel you but I have to say that I feel like the answer to this is really simple the fact that your wedding is literally 20 people or less than 20 people that's the only explanation you need to give. You don't need to go into like a whole diatribe about it. Yes, I'm sure that this one friend who's being left out is going to have some feelings about it. But the fact that you said that you truly don't want her at the wedding leads me to believe that she probably already has an idea of where y'all stand with your friendship. It sounds to me like, and this is like a total shot in the dark. This is just going off of like my life experience. But it sounds like you are really good friends with the other two people out of the three of them, like really good friends. And they brought this third woman into the fold. And you've never really had a connection with her. And it you've never 
created a relationship with her, but you accepted it because your two other friends really like her and brought her along and you're a good person and you're not going to not be inclusive of or nice to someone that your friends seem to enjoy more than you do. But this is your wedding. And the fact, again, that it is so small and so intimate That is all the explanation that you need to give. And if they push back, so be it. And I'm sure that like there might be a little moment of drama created because of this. But like I said, I just it sounds to me like this person probably isn't going to be totally shocked that they weren't invited just based off assumptions I'm making about your relationship with them. And, you know, if your other two friends come at you and they're like, this is so awkward for us now. Why would you do this? It's like, you guys, you know where I stand with this person. I know that you're not that surprised. We really had to get very serious about making cuts where we could, especially because like to some people, it might be like, what's one more person? But I I, I get it. I get it. Weddings cost money, man. So it is money saved. And really more than that, I mean, to me, The fact that you're taking a stand and you're not just inviting them because they're a part of a trio and you feel like you have to, I think that's fucking incredible, girl. Like, you fucking do you have the exact wedding day you want. And it sounds like you are very aware that this could cause a bit of a stir or a little bit of a falling out, but you're okay with that. You're you're so okay with it to the point where you're like, yeah, like it might suck, but I really don't want her there. So you got to go with your gut and everything will work out how it's supposed to. Honestly, when it comes to shit like this, you can only worry so much about hurting other people's feelings because it literally is all about you and your fiance. And that's what should matter the most. Okay, guys, that concludes this week's episode. It wasn't exactly as short and sweet as I thought it was going to be, but whatever, that's me. You know, I'm verbose. Please remember, if you have an advice question you want me to weigh in on with my opinions, email me at twespodcast at gmail.com. And if you love the podcast and you're one of those 20,000 listens, please consider sharing it on your Instagram story, sharing it with friends and family, leaving a written review on Apple Podcast or a star rating. Whatever, whatever you want to do to show your support, I will take it. I hope everyone has an amazing weekend. And next week, I have to go pack now. So I will talk to you next Thursday. Wow.